Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we review the Sabbath School lesson titled, Seeing People Through Jesus' Eyes, for Sabbath, July 18. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, so this week, Lesson 3, Seeing People Through Jesus' Eyes. Matthew 4, 19, New King James Version says, Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And indeed, this is seeing people through Jesus' eyes because I had a, a, a mentor of mine ask me, how many of the disciples weren't knuckleheads? <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> and he says, well, same thing goes for all of us that are called into ministry. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What a beautiful way to continue this lesson uh, is that, you know, too often we see other people through our individual lenses of uh, we see people in the context of work or family or friends or acquaintances of some kind. But if we could only have the, the the lens of Jesus to see people, how Jesus sees them, how he loves them, how he loves me. Yeah. And uh, wouldn't that change so many of our relationships and perspectives? Yeah, it, it actually would. And I think you hit on a hit on a, a sore subject there, Michael, which is how can I look at others through a good lens if I don't see how Jesus sees me? Mm. And so that's so important. I think we're going to yeah. touch on that here in just a second. Should give us a sense of humility, right? Yeah, absolutely, it should. Yeah. Uh, so Mark eight twenty two through twenty six, talking about the second touch. What is this talking about? All right. Well, I got that here. So I'm going to go ahead and just read it first. And uh, today I happen to grab my ESV Bible, and the Word of God says, "And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man." and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent to him uh, sent him to his home saying do not even enter the village so i mean what a powerful story of of the miraculous of jesus restoring sight to this blind man yes and what a, what a surprise that must have been for him you know, you know it, it asks this question why do you think he healed this blind man in two stages yeah you know that's that's a, a great question and i i kind of wonder if maybe uh I, I think sometimes we want things instantaneous. Yes, we do. And Jesus is much more patient and deliberate. And so, uh, and I, I like that because I think Jesus works with us step by step, stage by stage. Sometimes he doesn't always heal us instantly or reveal himself completely to us all at once. And maybe it's because we'd be overwhelmed. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think there's this element of faith of, yes, I uh, you need to believe that I'm in the process of healing you. Mm. And I know that happens in my life as well. Like right. I ask God for something. He's like, you need to do your part as well, which is, uh, I'm not your genie, right? God's yeah. not, Jesus is not our genie. And there's a step that you need to take in order to believe me fully. Yeah. I like that. So step by step, 
Yeah. And so what lessons uh, does this story have for us today as witnesses for Jesus? Yeah. You know, again, I think the, the uh, point is really is how patient God is in working with us and how we need to be patient with others around us. Um, and I think since our context is witnessing here, we want other others around us because what we believe is important and matters to us. We want other people to understand that too. And sometimes we want those immediate decisions. And so it, it can be a temptation to push too hard, too soon, too quick. Um, and I, I wonder if maybe we need to be more like Jesus and being a little bit more patient. Wait for that second touch. Mm. Yeah, you know, step by step, like you said. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those steps don't go as fast as you want them to. Maybe it's not the four weeks to become a perfect Adventist that we want. <laughs> Mercy. Well, you know, it reminds me of a story in our own family. When our family became Adventist, I was I was a child and uh, studied my way into the church with my mom. And so we were really excited about it. And I remember as a young person uh, going to a bunch of Adventist evangelistic meetings. And I was gung-ho. I was excited, you know, about it. This is truth and everything else. And the question was, is my dad. My, my dad kind of was in the the back where he didn't really um wasn't as excited about this obviously i remember him driving me to church we listened to rock music on the way yeah. <laughs> you know for him he'll, he would drop us off and so he was he was very nice about it um and then uh after a year or two um there's another series of evangelistic meetings and this time he's a little bit more interested he actually came to a couple of the meetings okay and about a uh, part way through the series i don't remember exactly what point that was but some point during those meetings the evangelist came to our home and sat down with my dad and basically wow. said, you must make a decision tonight. Or basically, I don't remember his exact words, but the idea that he would be lost forever. You know, this was the moment. And well, that's, he kind, didn't, that's kind of scary. Heavy pre <laughs> pressure tactics, yeah, right? Yeah. And and that actually set my dad back. And I, as I've talked with him, and of course now he's a believer, and but that set him back several years where it took for him to actually kind of get over that and then to actually really study for himself. So I think sometimes pressure tactics yes. and things like that, manipulation. Yeah. Our God's not a God of manipulation. This is what we see in this text with Jesus. Jesus takes his time and very patiently works step by step. So um, if anything, I think the lesson is, is we should be more patient with those around us, not to lose opportunities, but neither to force and pressure people either. You know, and I think that's a good and clear lesson, which is, People are not our quotas. People are not on our timeline. People are individuals that we need to treat as such. Yeah. And if it takes me four years to get to where it took you a month, have patience with me. Yeah. And if it takes another person 50 years to get to where I am, it's okay. Because ultimately, the one that's really working on them is the Holy Spirit. And so yeah. I need to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, move on, I guess, huh? Uh, yeah. uh, Monday's lesson is about acceptance. What What are we talking about? Yeah, here? we're talking about the woman who is at the well. And it, uh, for those of you who don't know the story, it's found in John chapter 4. Uh, the lesson's going uh, verse 3 through 34. But if you have a chance, read that entire chapter all together. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. But it asks this question, how did Jesus approach the Samaritan woman? Well, he actually intentionally met her there in the middle of the day. And it was uh, some people saying, well, that's not right. That's incorrect. She's a, she's a Samaritan. You're a Jew. But he wanted to show her that, that she mattered, that he cared about her. Mm -hmm. Even after he found out that uh, she, had, she was with all these men and she hadn't had a, a proper husband. 
And he says, I, I'm still here with you because yeah. I seek your salvation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it, it asks, it says, well, it's this woman's response to Christ's conversation with her. Well, she went and she she actually uh, saved an entire city <laughs> because she shared. Here he goes, a man who, who shared with me all things about myself. And now come see for yourselves. And they yeah. did. As a result, the entire city was saved as well. What a, what a beautiful story and reminder, you know. And I, I think, you know, as we're talking about evangelism and witnessing and all of that, um, what I like about the story is how incarnational it was. You know, witnessing wasn't going some activity that had to be done. It was an authentic incarnational experience. She shared what Jesus had done for her. Yeah, absolutely. And and then you, you see the disciples that come into the picture in there. Question, Jesus, Jesus, what are you doing? Talk to this one, all these different things. And Jesus had to remind him, my meat is not to, it's not this food that you brought for, for me. Yeah. He's like, it's to do the will of my father. Mm. And in other words, people matter even more than physical satisfaction of eating. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's also another interesting point is that the fact that she's a Samaritan, you yes. know, this, 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 uh, uh, the author, Mark Finley, he actually uh, refers to the Archaeological Study Bible. So a big shout out to them. Uh, it's one of my favorite study Bibles as well. Uh, but actually reflecting a little bit on what that means. And what I love is that Jesus, he realizes his mission is for the whole world, for all men and women yes. of all nations and cultures and how the gospel message at its best from Jesus is meant to be a uh, a message of love and hope and grace that expands across all of the uh, human constructs of race and class and socioeconomic, all of those things that yes, we yes, tend yes, to yes. use as barriers uh, for one another. And, and I'll just mention this because I think this is one of our biggest dangers is that we tend to look for people that are like ourselves. Yeah, we do. So the first people that we want to witness to are people that are close to our own, let's just say ethnicity, right? Yes. Um, but what I love is Jesus is setting the model example by witnessing to others who are different, who are other, shall we please? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important on this lesson because heaven will be other. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's going to be comprised of many others. Mm -hmm. And the church is supposed to be comprised of heaven here on earth. Yes. And so that's why it's so important for us to see people the way yeah. that Jesus sees them. Jesus breaks down barriers of prejudice and, you know, the gospel, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven. And and by the way, we should, you know, I want to mention just a little bit, I'm working on some stuff in Adventism and fundamentalism. Yes. The, the early 20th century were, you know, looking at how Adventism went from an abolitionist church to a church that was bifurcated and so on. And that's a whole long story in and of itself. But I just want to mention um, briefly that, you know, uh, we have to be aware of, of our past in these situations and, and not be afraid to speak up uh, for those things and allowing that gospel to reach out. And I would challenge our listeners, think of those people around you who may be other, who are not hearing the gospel message that maybe somehow through your sphere of influence, you might be able to reach out to them. I don't know who the Samaritan is in your life uh, here in an American context. That could be someone uh, that looks different from you. It could be a Muslim right now. Right now, you know, since 9-11, those have been uh, highly discriminated here in America, right? Yes. Um, I, again, I'm not here to put a label on it. Uh, there, there are many different labels that are out there and many different Samaritans uh, come in all shapes and sizes and varieties. But Jesus says, hey, 
um, that is my priority is the gospel message to go to them. So that's my little soapbox, but I just had to say that. Well, well, you get another chance to get on another one, <laughs> which is beginning where you are. What, what is Tuesday's lesson talking about? All right. Well, uh, John chapter uh, one and continuing on talks about Andrew. And I like right there at the beginning, um, John chapter one. And there is this passage here. Um, where Jesus um, is there and he's being followed by Andrew. And that's kind of the context of the story here. And um, Simon Peter, his brother, says, we have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. And then he brings them back to Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you're Simon, the son of Jonah. Afterwards, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So um, here they are. Uh, and I like that. We have found the Christ. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's where Christianity begins. It's not through necessarily intellectual ascent so much as it's a heart transformation. We have found Christ. Yeah, I I, I agree. With, I agree with that. And the thing that's crazy about Andrew, you know, he he's the one that's questioning, <laughs> right? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And right? yet, uh, to me, the one of the first miracles mentioned in the Book of John is not the turning of water into wine. Mm. It's Jesus saying, "I saw you sitting underneath that tree. Ooh. I saw you." Jesus saw yeah. him yeah. before, and that's one of the things that convinced Andrew. And continuing on, Jesus kept winning him over, winning him over. Right. And I, uh, that's the question I have to ask you: Do you actually see people? Mm. Do we actually see people, or do we see uh, what what we can get out of them? Ooh. And we, oh. we need to actually start seeing people, what's going on in their lives. How can we help them? Mm. Not just for our own selfish ambitions and intentions, but actually helping them. Yeah. And I think when people actually see that, they notice and say, hey, uh, you could have taken advantage of that person. You, yeah. you totally could have used that person to, to get up the proverbial ladder, so to speak. Yes. And when Jesus, when people see, hey, actually, you took a step down whatever it was to help that person to build that other person up. That's just not how human beings, that's just not how we work. You no, know? it's not. And so I, I think that is very unsettling or even, shall I say, startling to say, hey, um, something else is going on. Something's different about them. Yeah. You, you know, that is so true. And th this actually actually leads us to Wednesday's lesson, which Ooh. is dealing with some difficult people. Uh, I want to hear this one, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it has a, a hotspot of, of scriptures here, but it gives some uh, mm -hmm. variety of difficult people. Um, so Christ, when he is calling Peter, uh, James and John, is talking wow. about there. Mm -hmm. But then it also goes on to the scribe who's trying to trip Jesus up and is asking, what is the greatest commandment yeah. uh, in order to try to trap Jesus? And then it goes to, to the thief uh, on, on the cross, mm -hmm. uh, criminals, two criminals that are next to Jesus on the cross. And in always, it asks this question, how did Jesus deal with these difficult people? And the, the, the thing is, and this is key to hear, he dealt with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he tried to, you know, a lot of times we try to run away from people. We try to, mm. you know, there's a big movement right now, Michael, that bothers me that I'm mm. hearing of people saying, I think it's time to run to the mountains. I think it's time to run from the mountains. Wow. Christ will let us know when that time is, and that's yeah. when the time of trouble comes that, that we've never seen before. But right now, he has called us to seek and save those which are lost. It's Absolutely. not time to run away from the cities. Right now, it's time to run to the cities in order to be the witness 
that God has called us to be. And now, of course, for with Corona going on, I'm not telling you to, to run into people and, and hug on them and everything else. But I am telling you to look to ways to minister unto people because that's what Christ did. Yeah. Even yeah. criminals, even mm-hmm. people who are trying to trip them up, he looked for ways to minister unto them. Yeah, you know, and, and I kind I of bite on this rabbit trail for just a second. Yeah, please. Uh, because this, uh, the whole issue of, uh, you know, Ellen White makes a lot of statements about living in the country and the ideal of that and so on. I was just reading George Knight's new book, Prophets in Conflict, oh, Issues yes. and Authority. So a little shout out to George Knight. And if our listeners haven't heard, um, you know, that's a book you want to read if you have any interest at all in Ellen White's writings and in Adventist history. But one of his chapters does a case study in selective use of her writings on this topic of country living and how there's two series or principles of counsel that are there. One is the ideal is to try to live in the country and and obviously at the very end of time people will be living in the country it'll be much better for them. Yes. But then she also says that people should live in the cities yes, and do evangelism does. in the city. So which one is it, right? Uh. But if you only quote one set of quotes it makes her seem a little bit one-sided or maybe, shall we say, unbalanced, but yeah, she's not. Dichotomous, yeah. And so she's actually saying, yeah, the ideal is to have our institutions out in the country, ah. but we should be actively participating and even living in the cities and doing evangelistic work as much as we possibly can while we can, until we can't, basically. Yeah. And I found that absolutely fascinating um, you know, it's dangerous to only quote the quotes from Ellen White that support your viewpoint and not look at all of what she had to say on a topic. And that's that's a really good example. And I think there's a lot of fear out there. Yes. Right now, you know, I'm afraid of the coronavirus. I'm afraid of <laughs> I'm afraid of the politics going on, just the craziness in the world. Uh, we don't have to be afraid. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it's important and I'm glad you mentioned the word balance. Yeah. I'm not criticizing anyone who lives out in the country. No. I, yeah. uh, you know, if you're raising your children, your family in the country, that's a beautiful thing. Kudos. But wherever we are, we need to be witnesses. And Absolutely. Saying, we need to stop worrying so much about translation because if you have Jesus Christ, you're, you're saved. You're, yeah. you're going to be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah. But we need to start worrying about mission and purpose that God has had, has the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I, I think you hit it on the head because the, the a lot of people are focused on translation. How can I make myself good enough? Yes. And and, and we will never make ourselves good no, enough. Only Jesus. And only Jesus will sustain us through those end time events. Yes. And, and that gives me hope because and then instead of the focus being how can I make myself good enough, instead... I'm so excited Jesus is coming and Jesus will sustain me through those end time events. But I want to make sure that I take every opportunity I can until he comes to share Jesus with others. Amen. And that's that's the focal point. That's what that's where Jesus wants us to be looking. Right. So, um, boy, here I lost my spot. (laughs) Thursday's lesson, sensing providential opportunities. Mm, Acts chapter eight, verses 26 through 38. And it's talking about Philip and this this Ethiopian eunuch. What what is what's it, what's uh what's this providential opportunity that's here? Well, yeah, it's a great story because uh, as he's traveling along, and you know, this makes me wonder sometimes when you travel, um, how many opportunities are missed? Sometimes have I missed? You know, yes. not to share my faith with somebody else, and here he is, and um, and as he's uh, in the midst of doing that, and he comes across the. Um, uh, the uh, the, Mas- the man from Macedonia and basically, uh, or the Ethiopian man, excuse me, and 
and uh, and then uses this as an opportunity to share his faith while yeah. they're basically going along the road. So he does, and you know what's amazing about that is this gentleman kind of studied himself into the church. Mm-hmm. He was re- reading from the book Isaiah, and Philip goes on and finishes the study. He's like. It's like, well, what else do I need to do to be baptized? He's Bring like, you ble- yeah, you believe in Jesus? <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's go down to the river. Yeah. <laughs> and he was baptized. And then we see another miracle. He was, uh, Philip was actually translated to another place, right? He was right. Tra- transported. I don't know how this works, but it's amazing to, to, to witness it. Yeah. Uh, the, the point is, once again, see people for who they are, where they are. This was someone who was an Ethiopian who was outside of the Jewish context, but God had specifically let Philip to witness this gentleman in order to bring him to the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, and I think there's also a principle here that's kind of interesting. When we're doing evangelism, if we force ourselves on others, okay? I, I was sitting on an airplane prior to pre-COVID-19. Yes. And uh, I, I had somebody that was trying to share their faith and, and witness to me, Right. And um, it was it was very interesting. And then her mother was sitting next to her, passing her notes. Oh. Um, and so I could actually see the notes. They didn't realize I could see, but uh, you know, I looked over. I see, here's the next note. You know, to try to. Um, they they quickly identified that I was Adventist, and so she's kind of searching on her computer, trying to get the checklist <laughs> of, of things. Uh, and then I'm responding, you know, well, there's actually a good explanation for this and that. The other thing, I didn't want to tell them, I, you know, I'm actually a religion professor, but you yeah. know, they I think they you know they took me on as kind of a project, a little challenge. Of course. And um, you know, there's a difference between someone who's has an open heart and is willing. And, and, and wants to really study versus someone who is coming to argue with you, right? Yes. And that's the difference is that they, they weren't actually coming to listen to me either. So it was all one-sided. Mm. And, and that's the challenge, I think. But I think that there are people that God brings into our circle of influence that is, they're searching. They're earnestly searching. And you could be the means of sharing with them of opening up God's word and leading them to Jesus, you know, and, and I think, and what I'm trying to contrast is if you come and you try to argue with them, boom, 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 it's never going to, it never seems to have that good result. And that's not how I see what Jesus is doing or any of the examples in the lesson this week. No. It's, it's patiently um, opening the word of God. And and what I I see here is the opposite danger is there's those moments when we're too afraid to speak up, when we know the Holy Spirit's tugging at our heart saying, Hey, share. This is a chance. Yeah. They're searching. They want to know. Don't be afraid now. Yeah, don't hold back. Don't hold back. And so finding that balance um, to not be too pushy and aggressive. But on the other hand, when there is that moment, the Holy Spirit's tugging and saying, this is it. Don't don't be afraid. Speak up. Share what God has done in your life. And what, what I, you know, that, that that's that providential moment. You know, this is a principle I have for myself, which is whenever there's an argument like that that's starting to rise up. I need to strive to do the right thing, not be right. You know, you know, like I don't need to try to win this argument. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I and I've been hit over the head for for this, but apologetic apologetics has its place. Yeah. But it rarely wins people over. Mm. Uh, but you see that Jesus is very good at, at, at apologetics, but he used Christ ministry, uh, Christ method alone, uh, page one forty three, ministry of healing. He actually mingled with them. He, he he desired their good, and then he bid them to follow him. Yeah. And that's the same thing we need to do. Actually learn who people are, talk with them, and win them over because you actually care. 
Yeah. I'm going to try to break it down a little bit more. Do it. Make make our listeners hopefully a little bit more uncomfortable. But, you know, Seventh-day Adventists, we take great pride in the Sabbath, right? Yes, the we do. Sabbath, Sabbath is the seventh day. We keep the correct day. And so other people are wrong. And, and I see some Adventists, and I, I've been there before, where... You know, even the kind of bumper sticker Adventism, where the seventh day is the is the is the Sabbath day, where it's the right day. Those kinds of bumper yeah. sticker bumper stickers, but I always find that honestly a little bit of, of a turnoff because I, I, it's basically going around saying I'm better than you because I worship on the right day. <laughs> Versus, what if our understanding of what it means to worship on the seventh day? as the Sabbath is different than anybody else? What if it's about relationships and yes. so relational that it's so transformative in my experience and how I live and how I treat other people that that idea of Sabbath rest as relationship uh, so permeates that contagiously people around and say, man, I know that guy worships on Saturday, but you know he lives and treats everybody so differently whatever he has that i want that right yeah and so sabbath can be not just about worshiping on the right day and i i believe seventh day is the sabbath and all of that but it needs to be transformative experientially yeah, yeah. why do you worship what what do you do how do you observe it mm. what benefit does it have for you exactly yeah so i, I agree with that well, I think we're just about there on a wrap for this week's lesson. So, um, you know, I challenge our listeners, you know, God's going to bring people in your life. Uh, those, uh, don't miss those providential opportunities. And I believe that God, uh, if you, and just pray and ask God and have talk to God and make, be real with him. Say, hey, Lord, I, I'd love to share my faith with somebody. Um, can you pre- please open my eyes so I can see those opportunities when you bring them my way? Yeah, I agree. And when he, when those opportunities do come, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit will actually speak through you. I've, I've yep. had the experience before. Mm-hmm. And actually care about the people before you speak up. Don't just say, oh, I really want to get this baptism. You know, see that person, not just the not just the opportunity. There we go. Well, I think that puts a, a wrap on another week. So this is Sue. And Swoops. Signing, signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahoo.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.